the volume. On Volume Sports, Amp, YouTube's, Pods, The Herd Feed, wherever you get them, subscribe, rate, review, absolutely sensational show, action-packed for you if I don't say so myself. I have at my disposal not just some wide receiver cream of the crop props for you. I have an absolute over three to one. We don't have a choice but to maybe take the money out from under the mattress and fire on it for a three-team NFL divisional parlay. And I got to be honest, I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit of value at the end in the MLB. I am betting everything. Your boy is 8, 9, 10 sports, and I got Wimbledon here, UFC there, MLB baseball, be a Padres, Mets, Peco, all weekend but we get into the nfl and we are starting to get in football mode people and it is an exciting time in the league i don't remember an imbalance like this from afc to nfc as far as discrepancy at quarterback in the history of my millennial life i don't remember a time i got in a serious over a cigar debate about who the second best quarterback is in the nfc and i'd like to say i won the argument with Mr. Dak Prescott being the second best quarterback. You put him in the AFC, he's lucky to be seventh. I digress. I want to fire on and focus on, out the gate, my five favorite NFL wide receivers. I'm going to rank them for you, and then I'm going to talk to you about betting them accordingly. Because even though I would say there's almost a overall agreement of who the top five wide receivers are in the NFL, of course there's room for first take debate, but... How you go about betting a Jamar Chase versus a Justin Jefferson versus a Cooper Cup versus a Devontae Adams as we dive in is worth talking out. So let's start out with my fifth best wide receiver in the NFL. And I may get a little clap back here, not putting some Birdman respect on his name, but I got to be honest. We're talking about age. We're talking about situational offenses that they're in. All of these things are factoring into my decision making. Unfortunately, D-Hop is on the F.A. Madden list. He doesn't make this top five. He doesn't have a team yet. We got to go out the gate with Tyreek Hill at the five. Now, Tyreek Hill, you put him on most offenses, he's going to be productive in a sense, in a way where it completely puts a defensive scheme on their heels. You have to account for Tyreek Hill in a way most defenses don't with prepping for these wide receivers. And the number one reason is his speed. Him and Waddle, I believe, are the fastest one-two punch in the history of the NFL with that 4-3-4-3. But Tyreek Hill, looking at his numbers from last year as we dive into what we're firing on with him, 119 receptions on 1,710 yards. The man went for over 1,700 yards. That is as good as you can Jack Nicholson get in the Hamptons on a July summer day. That's the best number he's ever put up as far as yards. Now, seven touchdowns makes the over-under this year a seven and a half tugs 
properly priced here. I'm looking at DraftKings, but the overall 13 and a 1300 and a half receiving yards that we're sitting here staring at, you got to take the Aaron Judge gavel out and absolutely slam it. Now, if you've been rocking with me all week, I talked about Tua being an interesting number to fire on over 300 yards eight times. You're getting almost three to one your money. That's a fun DraftKings prop. But you go back to just a top four passing Miami offense last year. Mike McDaniel, clearly a bit of a brainchild behind some of that Shanahan scheme from a passing perspective because you saw they they hit the ground running in the Ace Ventura 305. And when they did, who feasted the most? The veteran in the room. Now, Waddle and his speed and his athleticism and his versatility helps only a Tyree kill that much more. Some of these receivers I'm talking out have the luxury of a T. Higgins and a Jalen Waddle. Some of them do not. That does all factor into betting over or under on these receivers. But 1,300 and a half for a guy that we know speed kills. And just to compare and contrast, as decorated as Tyreek Hill has had his career thus far in KC on his way over to Miami, he had no more yards than this year any other. He never had a 1,500-yard receiving season with Patrick the GOAT Mahomes. So 1,710 yards, and DraftKings wants to hang 1,300 and a half? Come on, hammer it, baby, we're going over. Here's another receiver worth talking out. We have to fire on. Devontae Adams at 12 and a half, 1,200 and a half yards is to me another thing worth talking out. And I do think Devontae Adams is the fourth best wide receiver coming in to this year's NFL. Now, some would say it's disrespectful for what he's done in his decorated Hall of Fame career, especially the numbers the first year he did without Rodgers, I mean, listen to this. Adams catches 100 balls for 1,516 yards, 15, 16, 14 tugs, six more than Justin Jefferson, your favorite wide receiver's favorite wide receiver. He averages 2.45 yards per route run. And how about this per PA, PFF over the last three seasons? A 94.5 grade, yards per route, 2.67. Only Justin Jefferson is second in both of those categories. So even PFF, the fickle labs that they are, find a way to give credit where credit is due with Devontae Adams. Look, the number is what it is, and I don't love 1,200 with Jimmy Garoppolo nearly as much as I love it with Derek Carr, Derek Gunslinger Carr. These numbers are inflated from last year for what they're going to be this year just because Derek Carr slings the rock. There's going to be a ton of value for a Chris Olave and a Michael Thomas if he can stay healthy, even a Derek Carr tight end down there in New Orleans. We'll talk that out in another episode. But going back to Devontae, I mean, my goodness, how do we not sit here and feel good about over that number of, of 1,200? There is not much outside of Josh Jacobs on this offense that I'm sitting here after they lose Darren Waller feeling like is going to take away from DA. He's just a guy that gets buckets. It doesn't matter what NBA team he's on. By the way, he does throw down on the court. This is a dude that's just going to feast and there's not much to do about it. I just think on a receiving yards versus touchdowns argument, I feel a little more comfortable about volume because Jimmy Garoppolo 
again, this guy does is not going to throw the same amount of touchdowns that a Derek Carr will. And, you know, as far as Jimmy G's been, uh, I call him Jimmy Checkdown Garoppolo. I mean, this is a guy that could not get the ball to Emmanuel Sanders to win a Super Bowl because I guess he puts his biceps into efforts elsewhere. So this is a dude that is going to get the ball to Adams. I don't know that he's going to get the ball to him in the end zone as much as he is for yards. I got to put DA fourth over 1,200 and a half. Let's land on the lily pad at number three. This man could very well shatter everyone and just sit here and tell me how you're putting him at three. But Cooper, I shattered every record known to man two years ago. Super Bowl MVP cup is an absolute revisit, remind, and react to this year as far as receiver props. This man is sitting at 12. 125 and a half receiving yards. 1,225 with a Captain Dustin Hoffman hook. His last healthy season, and we got to take last year and 10-second Tomit from 51st dates. Forget it ever happened. Forget you introduced yourself to 2022 Cooper Cup or your men in black. It never happened. Cooper Cup and health have gone hand in hand you know, in in a way that's really almost a bummer because of what he can do when he's healthy. But there's two elements here. One, I think the books are undervaluing him because he his ability to not stay healthy. And the second thing is who the H-E double hockey sticks is Matty Staff going to throw the ball to on this team? Ben Skoranek? Does Ben Skoranek have a picture in Madden yet? I simply don't know. Van Jefferson has been talked about like a slot wide receiver that's never going to blossom regardless of the month with a flower. He just ain't blossoming. Allen Robinson was an enormous swing and miss last year. My point is this. Cooper Cup is the most reliable ass. He's like a Volvo when he's healthy. He's getting you A to B. You're absolutely going to buck Anybody in your way on the freeway with the Cooper Cup Volvo, and you're going to get to your destination. Absolutely Geico guaranteed. I like him on a most touchdowns plus 850 this season. I got to be honest. I'm slamming 1225 and a half, and I'm taking eight and a half to one. A guy that had 16 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns in a season to complement 145 receptions. Ben Skoranek. I'm sorry. This Rams team is going to be a bad news bear season. It's going to get ugly. The only bright ray of SoFi Stadium sunshine on that side of the Chargers Rams Stadium is Mr. Cooper Cup. And I have to tell you, you must take it. How about number two? It's pretty unfathomable that I'm going to end this sermon with two LSU wide receivers that knew each other in the locker room. But Jamar Chase, and we have to remind ourselves, played 12 games last year, so his numbers are a little off to what he did his rookie season. But he's sitting on FanDuel, pending where you shop, around 1,300 yards and a hook. He's over under 10 and a half touchdowns. I don't know how we don't like both. Now, 
There is a, a unique way of thinking with these receivers. You have to factor these in. Devontae has no strong two next to him. Tyreek Hill does. How does that affect it? Cooper Cup has absolutely nobody. So he's going to have to deal with doubles. Justin Jefferson, who I'll be talking about in a second, no longer has Thielen, but he's got the stud Jordan Addison, who we talked about, we think is going to be the number one wide receiver. Look at the history of Vikings wide receivers, and particularly in the last few years, how well they've done with development and drafting. All these things factor in. Well, I've heard Chad Ochocinco, my guy, say that this is a two number one wide receiver system that our colleague Joey Burrow gets to throw to because T. Higgins is that dude. So that's the only thing that maybe gets in the way of Chase not hitting these numbers. But we have to remind ourselves, just a tick under, reception under, 1,500 yards his rookie season. He still had six more receptions to his rookie year, and the guy had significantly less yards, or significantly less games and game time, and still would have shattered all of these numbers had he played a whole season. If he played, matter of fact, I misspoke on that. If he had a full season that 1482 would have been in average what he landed on rookie season 1455 hurt but still going over a thousand nine tugs nine tugs remember how many times this guy has had multiple touchdown games that's the nice thing with a travis kelsey with a jamar chase now jamar chase is in the end zone what justin jefferson isn't we'll get to that but 10 and a half touchdowns for a guy that had nine in a 12-game sample size. Look, it's a payday coming up for Chase, and it's a payday coming up for Burrow and T. Higgins. You also have to think on that on a small little level as well. Finding a way to figure out any rhyme or reason for the wide receivers. And again, these are the divas of the NFL. Extra ethos, pathos, logos behind these guys to do it. Chase has all the reason in the world. Plus, not to mention the Patty Mahomes back and forth, little Kelsey brother podcast beef. Yeah, he's balling out this year. I like both of those over 1,300 and a half and 10 and a half. And last but quickly, not least, Justin Jefferson. Shout out my guy, Paul Triple P here. Vikings diehard on the ones and twos. This dude, and I got some great info from Paul. Listen to this. The guy's gone for over 4,800 yards in his first three seasons. He's 235 yards away from becoming, and I feel terrible for it. My guy, Matt, too, also on the pod and a Bears fan. He's 235 yards away from becoming the most decorated number one receiver in the history of the Chicago Bears franchise if Justin Jefferson was wearing orange for Chicago. Listen to that. He's played three seasons. He's won Kirk Cousins' 235-yard day with him, which absolutely could happen from being the number one receiver in the history of Chicago Bears football. Oh, my serenity now and sanity later. Goodness. Now, just as prolific as J.J. is at volume, receiving yards, touch, uh, receiving yards and receptions, he's not a great bet when it comes to touchdowns. He's at 1,400 and a half receiving yards, more than most of these guys I just mentioned, and he's only at eight and a half touchdowns, less than also most of these guys I just mentioned. Here's something interesting. He's top, uh, tops every list when it comes to receiving yards first three seasons, but you compare him to a Randy Moss through the first three in getting in the end zone, there's no comparison. Moss had 43 tugs. Justin Jefferson had 25. So I don't love him at all on the over-under on eight and a half tugs, just of what we've seen. But yeah, have to hammer 
1400 and a half and over because I think no Thielen, including Addison into this lineup, no Dalvin Cook as well. It's just going to be more emphasis on Jefferson. And he's been dealing with two guys on him, sneaky zones to draw four eyeballs on him every game since his rookie season. So I'm not concerned at any kind of Vikings turnover on that offense to otherwise knock me off of this. Last thing I'll say, no offense. An abysmal defense and really a defense that didn't get better. Lost a couple of pieces, if Patrick Peterson anything. So they get in more shootouts. That's just more compelling for my argument for over 1,400 and a half. So in conclusion, the five best receivers, in my humble opinion, coming into this season, Tyreek Hill five, Devontae four, Cooper Cup three, Jamar Chase two, and Justin Jefferson one. And of course, I'm going to piss off. A couple different stuff on Diggs, AJ Brown, maybe even Debo Samuel fan club guys on Reddit. Well, I'm sorry. At the end of the day, these are the best five and they're in the best situations as well. I want to wrap with a three-team parlay here of NFL divisional winners. And as we turn the page the next week moving forward, I'm going to talk a lot of division by division type breakdowns, how I'm going to rank them, the over-unders on the teams, trajectories, all kinds of ways to bet all 32 of these teams. But for today, today, and right now, I got three teams and it pays over three to one. You can parlay it on FanDuel. I believe you can on DraftKings as well. It's a very fun thing to do. You have a couple of cupcake divisions you like for teams to win, but you don't want to lay minus 165 San Francisco juice. So parlay. And I got three teams for you. We have to talk out that are winning their divisions. And it starts out with the Super Bowl champions. And look, I'm a San Diego Charger fan in recovery down in Ron Burgundy land. Spanos took the team up to five. I now stare at an Aztecs football stadium, which drives me absolutely up the Tinseltown wall. I'll spare you my whole soliloquy, whatever the heck the word would be on why the heck Spanos burn the city and I hate them, but I love them. I can't get off them. The Chargers are the only team in this division to debunk absolutely wholeheartedly this Kansas City Chiefs team. Let me just talk this out real quick because they don't even deserve more than 30 seconds each. The Denver Broncos were the biggest letdown of the season. Russell, I need my own corner office, Wilson. Bill Lumberg showing up on, I need you to come on a Saturday, Russell Wilson. Russell lost his swag, Wilson. I'm so far off, Russell Wilson. I don't even want to talk about the Denver Broncos next year. One in five, minus in the division, minus 72 point differential. Scored the fewest amount of points in the NFL last season, Stella got her group back how about not how about austin powers lost his mojo and he's in the chronologically frozen tube russell wilson is cooked i'm sorry if he comes back around mazel tub he ain't debunking the goat patty mahomes and he's not going to get past the chargers the raiders are going to have a very interesting season it could go completely off the vegas strip rails Thank God for the MSG sphere to stare at because this Raiders team, who was minus 23 in point differential, who lost three in a row to end the season, four out of the last five to miss the playoffs. I mean, I'm sorry. Now you got a Jimmy Garoppolo guy that is he going to be off the strip? I'm sorry. Is he married with kids and is in bed by eight Tom Brady 30? No, he's not. This is Jimmy Garoppolo in Vegas and he's already a fed man. Two-time Super Bowl champion, and he underthrew Sanders. I like not much 
about the Raiders this year. Third last year, Derek Carr has been piecing, pun intended, and holding that car together. I mean, let it go. This is a turnover year for the Raiders. It's going to get ugly because I've said it, and I'll say it before. Josh McDaniels ain't a leader of Gerald Butler 300 men. This is a coordinator dressed in head coach clothing. I want nothing to do with with a 10-foot pole. And the Chargers, again, I've said it as a San Diego born and raised citizen. You can't have the weather. You can't have Ron Burgundy as your neighbor. You can't have California burritos, all AAA things, and have a great sports team and sports town. We just can't have it all. The Padres are under 500 with Soto, Machado, Tatis, and Bogarts, and Cronenworth, who was an all-star. That doesn't make any logical sense. It's just in the sports gods' cards. And the Chargers, who had the third worst blowing ever of a postseason 27-0 lead against the Jaguars. Again, Staley is not a leader of men. They had a chance to get a Sean Payton. They absolutely blew it. They're not taking down an Andy Reid-led team who was 6-0 in the division, who was 7-1 at Arrowhead, who was 7-2 on the road, who had the most points scored at 496 in the NFL, who were the reigning Super Bowl champions, who mopped up the Jags, Bengals, and Eagles like clockwork. Yes, they lost Eric Bieniemy. They still have the big three. Andy, the most, most likable lad in the league, Reed, Patrick, and Kelsey. It is their division. They ain't losing it. Don't get cute. It's not the Chargers year. It's never going to be the Chargers year. I've lived it for three decades. Let's go to the next division. That's absolutely a lot. And I'll go way shorter because there's three teams that might not go over 500 in the AFC South. This is the Nick Wright, Prince that promised T-Law year. This is a Jaguars division to lose. They did everything through dysfunction with Urban Van Wilder Meyer that I'm blown away at how Doug Peterson came in and settled this club. Not to mention how they came back at the end of the season and stole a division from the Titans. The same thing I just ripped the Chargers for, you got to appreciate, for the Trevor Lawrence-led Jaguars. This is a man that's going to work his way into the top five quarterback in the league conversation, potentially as soon as this year. They had a plus 54-point differential. They had a 4-2 and in-division record versus a division that was much better last year than they're going to be this year. They were above 500 at home. They got to win nine games, maybe 10 to win this division. The Colts allowed the most points in the AFC on defense and had the worst point differential in the entire NFL at minus 138. The Texans only won three games last year, all in the division. Second worst in the AFC, third worst in the NFL at minus 131 point differential. Those are two clubs. With a Richardson and a C.J. Stroud, those are going to be trial and error teams. And the Titans, I'm sorry, new GM, new this, new that. Vrabel is a top 10 coach, but you can only do so much with Ryan 500 Tannehill. And you had three guys trying to figure it out at the quarterback position last year. Malik Willis swing and miss. Joshua Dobbs, no thank you. If the King wasn't in the backfield, racking up 1,936 scrimmage yards, this would have been a Titans 5-12 and 12 season. And they were 7 and 10. Second place, 7 and 10. I'm telling you, it's a cupcake W. Only Will Levis, a guy who takes Tinder shirtless selfies that every girl, if he was on Tinder, would swipe left on, except one type of person. And that's not the type of person I want to bet with. That is an interesting Tennessee Titans Costco sample experiment with this Levis dude. I want nothing to do with it. I'm on the Jags. 
all day alone and in this parlay to win the division. And I'm wrapping up with the Niners. Look, death taxes and Shanahan schemes. It doesn't matter. They took a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback who won five games down the stretch, 13 tugs to four mistakes, unbelievable run, one in the playoffs. Now they have insurance. Sam Darnold, I'm not completely given up on. Still haven't dealt Trey Lance, so I'm not even worried offensively with what we're staring at in the NFC West for anything other than this Niners team winning the division. A 13-win team last year with the number one defense in yards and points allowed in the NFL. They were also sixth in points and fifth in yards per game last year on offense. They were 10-0 as a home favorite. We remember that stat. Every team that lost to them lost two games in a row, by the way, down that 10-game stretch. This is the first time Shanahan has ever swept the division. Break out the Gryffindor brooms, baby. You got Debo, Kittle, Ayuk, and you add CMC? I mean, forget about it. Forget about it. Not to mention, they swooped Javon Hargrave, an 11-sack defense alignment from Philly. They returned three pro bowlers. They got Bosa. They got Freddie Warner. I mean, let's not outthink the room. Geno Smith played above his head in Seattle. I think the Rams, again, went all in on that Super Bowl two years back. They're still recovering. And this is an Arizona Cardinals team with no Kyler Murray and Kingsbury gone that might have the worst season in the league in the win-loss column. I don't see anybody in the NFC West even coming close to the San Francisco 49ers winning this division. At minus 165, that's something you lay the juice for. Now, just for those wondering, that's $165 down to win 100 So, a lot of juice, but you put the Chiefs the Jags and the Niners together. Did I not sell you a John Voight car you don't really need? Costanza? I mean, three to one, over three to one. We're talking about some of the worst luck franchises going against this parlay. And I don't see any reason why it doesn't see the light of day. And I'm going to wrap real quick with a Chris Berman two minute here. Another win in the neighborhood for the New York Mets. And another win in the neighborhood for the San Diego Padres. And I got to be honest, I'll be watching them all week. I don't know how we don't consider sprinkling. The Padres are plus 350 to make the playoffs. The Mets are plus 400 to make the playoffs. I I broke the whole series down. They're 23rd and 21st, these two clubs, in batting average. 16th and 17th in runs. Now, the Padres are 6th in Team ERA. The Mets are 21st. The Mets starting pitching is going to turn around. Matter of fact, listen to this because this is absolutely worth mentioning as we see this Mets team start to turn the corner. The Mets are now 25 and 4 when one of their starters who isn't on a Benjamin Button, Scherzer, Verlander, getting older or younger, whatever the hell it is, plan, they're 25 and 4. This season, when a starter goes six-plus innings, it's the best record in the National League. They're 5-0 and in July, and four of those games, the starters win six-plus innings. It's not rocket science. 
for the Buck Showalter New York Mets. It's the most money ever spent, $360 million in the history of the sport. You'd like to think with how bad that June was, where the Oakland A's had more wins than the Mets and they didn't win a series, seven-game losing streak in that month, that they've had the worst behind them. I don't know how we don't sprinkle on a team that has been so bad and so un. Just head scratching. They won 100 games last year. It has to pendulum swing the other way. You're getting four to one. Look, the NL East is a wrapped up to go in and out number two with animal style fries for the Braves. But the Mets to make the playoffs. I mean, look at the wild card race. You're trusting the Phillies, the Giants, even this Diamondbacks team. Objects and mirror are not as they appear. So if the pitching can meet a little bit of some Jeff McNeil, turn it around. Lindor's starting to play hot. Can Pete Alonso hit more than 220, please? They're fine. They're fine. I think the NL wildcard race is wide open, and a 4-1 to one sprinkle on the Mets is worth it, and a 3.5-1 to one sprinkle on a Padres lineup that, again, has El Nino Tatis, Machado. Bogarts had a 10-year ridiculous contract from the Red Sox they took. They still have Stick with it, Soto, Cronenworth support here on this club. They're so bad on offense, it can't possibly continue. You saw them sweep the Angels, Trout and Otani get hurt. I mean, they crushed Otani pitching the other night. In a way, Otani hasn't been rocked in a long time. So, Hater on the back end with a 1-1-1 ERA and 20 saves. And David Robertson filling in for Elwin Diaz with a 1-8-8-13 save outing so far in the season. Our two guys I trust for these clubs, if they can just do a little bit more where they should be correct, I think they're going to be fine. Remind ourselves it's a 162-game season. Remind ourselves there's so many acts and chapters in baseball. You have all of July, all of August, and a whole month of September to correct yourself. You have 90 days to get it right before it's too late. I like the value, three and a half and four to one. We're out of here. Beautiful breakdowns, if I don't say so myself. A little bit long-winded, but worth it. Talking out these wide receivers, I'm hammering all of them. If you don't join me on this three-team parlay, I simply feel bad for you because I'm going to Hawaii with my ticket in February. Niners, Chiefs, Jaguars. No one ruins that lay. I'm telling you. Thank you for tuning in. Paul on the ones and twos. Appreciate everybody. Check out Moneyline Monaco across all platforms. And as always, don't forget to hug your mothers. We will see you next week. The Volume.